0: Welcome everyone to Fly Over Footy. My name is Matt Baker. Joined as always with Santiago Beltran for our Fallout episode this week. We're back. MLS is back in play and St. Louis City has started it off with a bang. The start that we all dreamed would actually happen to to re-kick off the season. A 6-3 win over Austin FC, sweeping the season series against the, the trees down in Austin and Santi, we've got some exciting things to talk about today. We're going to try to keep it as brief and concise as possible, but you know us, we love to go deep on a lot of things. Let's start it off with the starting 11, as we usually do on Fallout, getting back into the way we usually do things here. No big surprises for me. I think this was this was kind of the, as run of the mill and as in form of a starting 11, we had Roman Berkey in net. Backline was Kyle Hebert, Tim Parker, Josh Yarrow, Akil Watts. Jabulu Blom, Edu Leuven, Jared Stroud, AZ Jackson, Rasmus Alm in the midfield, and Nico Joachini up top. Santi, what did you think of the starting 11? Because I had a couple big things that I wanted to see out of this 11, and they delivered on everything I wanted to see. But what did you see when you saw this 11?
1: No so no surprises to me. Um, to me, it means a vote of confidence uh, to the guys that ended um, the, the, I guess, that two-thirds of the season, uh, winning four, four out of five games. Um, so basically run with the same guys. Obviously now you have some reinforcements that for now are on the bench, but I'll start with what has been working and and go from there. So no surprises to me. Uh, somebody had asked me in the morning uh, who was going to be uh, playing on top, and I said Rasmus Alm and Nico Joachini, but I know when we look at the passing network, it was more like Nico Joachini by himself and um, Rasmus Alm um, in that diamond system. But, um, but yeah, no surprises to me. But, yeah, I was looking to see a team um, starting uh, quickly, creating options quickly, and maybe scoring quickly. Um, it didn't go that way as as it has gone in other matches, but, um, but still the team scored two games on the first half, and then uh, Nico Joachini back to uh, scoring, which which is big because he had not scored in a few games.
0: Bradley Carnell had a nice quote, I think, that kind of set the tone post-game for how how they viewed this coming into the game. He said this whole week was talking about the first game this whole week. We said earlier in the week with the press conference, the first half, we sort of rekindled some of those memories before the game as well, referring to their previous game against Austin. We watched a bit of footage before the game, he says, post-game. And all those emotions and just get us the pressure of not playing for five weeks. There needs to be a release. And Carnell said he saw a nice release from our players tonight within our principles. So it was just an enjoyable night, and I'm glad the fans came out with the late kickoff that it was. And the other thing, knowing that you have this, this these memories from Austin and a lot of the same players um, are still finding time on the field. You know, you've know, you got Kyle Hebert, Tim Parker, uh, Jabulu Blom, Edu Leuven, Jared Stroud, Rasmus Alm, Nico Joachini, those guys who played against Austin, played a lot of minutes against Austin. Some of them starters, some of them came on as subs, Mm -hmm. whether it's Joachini or Blom having come on as subs in the first game against Austin. Still consistently finding time with City. As far as the roster itself goes, though, one of the notable things outside of the starting 11 was our bench because I think this game gave us a little bit of an insight into some depth chart changes that are starting to occur when you look at guys like Joachim Nilsson, V uh, Thorison, and Anthony Marcanic, who are coming in and taking guys' spots, some notables that I saw really drop were Lucas Bartlett, uh, John Bell, and John Nelson. So, and, and we know Isak Jensen has been playing with City 2 a lot and Selmer Pedro has been playing with City 2 a lot. But I think we're starting to see, at least initially to start the second half, some of these depth chart changes – and because we had six subs in this game, a lot of these guys were able to feature. So to yeah. me, it's interesting to see this shake out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Lucas Bartlett was with City 2 on mm-hmm. Friday. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think we had talked about this before that uh, when uh, Mark Canik, uh, was ready to play, uh, we'll probably not see both Markanic and Nelson uh, yep. on the bench. And we confirmed that yesterday. Uh, Marcanic didn't get to play, but um, I'm sure we will see him playing soon.
0: I'm still carrying the banner that I would like to see a starting 11 at some point, whether it's a back three, back five, to have Nielsen, Parker, maybe even Yarrow in there. Hebert start on the left side, and then if and when one of them needs to move, you slide Hebert centrally and put Marcanic. That's my that's my wish at some point. I think it'd be a nice way to, to get Marcanic in. But Santi, you mentioned earlier the passing network and how it kind of highlighted a little bit of a different uh, positioning to Rasmus Alm than we anticipated. I found really fascinating our backline because going into the game, you see those back four of Hebert, Parker, Yarrow and Watts and you think, OK, this is a traditional back four. But anybody who is watching that game and especially if you look at the passing network on MLS you can see that. From the get go, it really indicates a back three, at least from an offensive perspective yeah. to me. Anytime we had the ball and we were starting to make our attacks a possession based, playing it out of the back, you had Hebert, Parker, and Yarrow, where Akil Watts was pushing up kind of in a wing back role, similar to uh, Jared Stroud on the other side. What did you what did you think of that look? And um were you like me in that you saw a lot of potential from it?
1: Yeah, it surprised me uh, like the first couple of times. Um I was Like, what is Jaro doing all the way to the right? And then I realized, oh, yeah, it's Akil Watts, uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's up there. So, so yeah, no, I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, Akil Watts is really good uh, on both the defensive end and the offensive end. And uh, he showed yesterday how dangerous he can be, um, with on the attacking side and with the crosses. So, I liked it. Uh, he he created um, some options. And um, I think just having those three or any three center backs, uh, if you have to insert Nilsson um, with that three in the back, I think that that would work well for the team. And maybe it's a little bit of a look into what we could see in a few games uh, once Nilsson is back to a 90-minute fit and, and he's in the starting lineup.
0: Akeel Watts tied with Edu Luvin in number of crosses. So your point of seeing him get more involved, you could clearly see a desire and ability for city to move the ball very effectively up the right side of their field where Akil Watts was often um, finding himself with overlapping runs, Rasmus Alm both late and early in the game. That was, that was exciting to see and probably play a little bit into Rasmus Alm um, playing more deep. He found himself uh, at least a few times, one that led to a goal that we'll talk about in a minute, where he started from essentially the end line on our defense and moved himself forward. There's a lot of exciting things that you could do when Akil Watts is given that freedom and flexibility to act as a wing back. And Santi, some of the stats in this game, pivoting over to possession, shots on goal, XG. In some ways, it was a very typical City game. We ended the match with 44% possession, which is pretty much in our wheelhouse of how we effectively control the ball and what you usually see from City when we win matches, uh, 268 successful passes against 370 from Austin. Again, a typical measure of our ability to move the ball quickly upfield in one of the most direct teams with very few passes per sequence. The shots, to me, I, I I enjoy looking at the shots and the shots on goal of this match in in the first half and the second half. the Two different pictures of each because at first glance, ten shots on ten shots on goal for 15 shots from St. Louis. Nine shots on goal out of 17 total shots from Austin. It seems pretty even. It doesn't seem like there's too much noteworthy until you look into the wild second half stats. The way this game kind of, you said it a few minutes ago, it it didn't start uh, as as quickly as City really hoped for as far as getting on the board or a lot of quick shots. But as this game progressed and, and as the things got into the second half, it opened up and you saw almost an entirely different game in the second half where these second half stats had eight shots on target out of 11 shots from St. Louis, eight shots on target out of 16 shots for Austin. Austin only had one shot, and it was on target in the first half, and it came from Sebastian Driussi just three minutes into the match. Outside of that, Austin didn't do anything in the first half as far as creating shots or really chances that did anything to City, and the XG backed this up as well. Where the XG ended up, keep in mind this was a six three win from St. Louis. The XG was Austin at three point five four, St. Louis to one point five one, and almost all of that came in the second half. One point one seven of St. Louis's one point five one was in the second half. Three point five two of Austin's three point five four was in the second half. They did wow. all of their damage, all of their attempts, all of their creativity in the second half. Did you notice that when you were calling the game and when you were when you were just watching this? Just how the juxtaposition between the two halves
1: yeah so um i don't have the the halftime stats in front of me but i do remember that when we were looking at um possession it was more close to 50 50 but then second half uh really changed and you can see that on the five minute intervals like first half you can see that cd and austin kind of split it Uh, and then second half is mostly austin um, and I think part of that is that Austin was down two nothing, and then City scored that third goal, and then uh, Austin just was attacking uh, with basically four—you can call it four uh, forwards—and um, yeah. they they were just going for it and and trying to um, create something and 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 maybe try to tie the game. Um, but yeah, it it was a game of two two different halves and. Obviously, like at the end, uh, there were a lot of goals, but uh, I think that's more of uh, tired legs and fatigue, and and both teams um, just being so tired due to the high temperature and humidity.
0: That can't be overlooked. The temperature, one hundred one degrees, I think they said at game time on the field. It was it was a nightmare in a lot of ways for the fitness, for the energy, for the players. Uh, it's one of the reasons I think Jabulu Blom was subbed off in the second half, in addition to his yellow. But Santi, let's let's look at this kind of uh, with the game flow, picture by picture as the game progressed. What are some of the key moments, goals and uh, goals, subs, and really anything else? And for me, it starts at the 12th minute. And this is one of the things that we in the stadium, we talked before we started recording that there's a lot of things in stadium that can be improved in MLS matches, in soccer matches, as far as the communication to fans go. And in the 12th minute, this was the epitome of it for me where a yellow card was called on Cascante from Austin running alongside Nico Joachini. They they both seem to get tripped up and it was a pretty quick yellow card called by the official on Cascante, giving St. Louis a dangerous free kick opportunity. The play progressed to the point where a line was drawn for the defense by the head official. Edu Leuven steps over the ball to take the the free kick. Austin players are still uh, protesting. And then things just stop. The head official all of a sudden calls for VAR or at least makes a VAR hand signal and then almost immediately goes back to Cascante and rescinds the yellow card and then just play, things just move on as if nothing happened. In the stadium, we were confused. What did you hear or did you hear anything on the broadcast in that moment?
1: Not at the moment. Um, I, I usually get some notifications about the plays that are being reviewed in bar, and I kept refreshing and trying to see what was called and and nothing uh, but now i'm seeing it uh, it looks like it came a, a few minutes later and yeah, yeah it, it just says rescind the yellow car for mistaken identity yep but just thinking about the play like the yellow car was to cascante who was on the play so i still don't understand that one
0: my I, I think at least the way I interpreted it watching the replay because the broadcasters said that it was they called it one of the four pillars of VAR, which is mistaken identity. and it seemed like it was a call made by the VAR independently as opposed to being um, referred to up by the head official despite the fact that it wasn't a penalty, it wasn't a red card, nothing that typically VAR would be called up to review this is this being one of those four pillars, mistaken identity. I could only draw a conclusion that it was Joachini who initiated the trip up or the, okay. something as uh, referencing that, because you're right. Cascante, it was clear as day. He was the one next to Joachini. Yeah. And it just seemed as far as the action that occurred, the wrong player between the two teams was was called for. And I, again, that's speculation because there, we yeah. have nothing outside of the fact that it was mistaken identity. But I can't picture anyone else that I, their identity would have been mistaken for in that scenario.
1: Right. So, yeah, maybe if you look at it from that standpoint, yes, uh, but I guess does that fall into mistaken identity to review a yellow card and re- even rescind the foul? Kind know.
0: of a loose, a loose use of that rule, I would say. Yeah, I had never seen anything like that. Yeah, bizarre, but... Even more bizarre to me is the next yellow card. The legitimate, well, quote-unquote legitimate yellow card. 17 minutes, just five minutes later, on a throw-in, Akil Watts has the ball. The camera's not even looking at the action if you look at the replay, but we see it in the stadium, clear as day that something occurs. On the throw-in while jockeying for position, Memo Rodriguez goes down and immediately starts indicating to the official that he was elbowed in the face. And if you look at the replay... The only elbow I think that occurs from Jabulu Blome is in the extension of his arm, trying to get space from Memo Rodriguez. The uh, the physical reaction from Rodriguez is one of the most unnatural things I could I can <laughs> recall seeing from a soccer player. And it's one of those quintessential flop plays. So much so that on the broadcast, if you watch it again, Kendra de Saint-Aubin said it was a floppy crappie. <laughs> I've never heard of that term, but, you know, I'll stick with it. Very much a small shub, big flop by Memo Rodriguez, a floppy crappie. And unfortunately for St. Louis, this yellow card was not rescinded. And it was Jabulu Blum's fifth yellow card without a forgiveness. So he's going to miss this Orlando City match next week. Uh, a big blow because obviously Jabulu Blum is one of the most essential pieces of our midfield and of our defense. And just uh, it's one of those where I I would have liked to see some kind of um rescinding of a yellow post game or this week because that that of all the plays deserves to have another look and it's just unfortunate that the memo rodriguez was able to make a case like that to the official who for the second time in five minutes didn't really seem to have a great handle at least for periods of time in this game
1: yeah maybe we'll see something about it this week and it will be rescinded and blong will be able to play if not um City won't be without him, but um, you still have guys that can play there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you have that stat that when jabula Blom plays, um, the team does really well, but, but um, there are guys that can play in that position uh, just to replace him for that Orlando game.
0: Yeah, we talked about uh, the the depth on our team, and I think this is an opportunity for Indiana Vasilev. At least that's exactly. the first name that comes to mind because we've seen in the the way the depth chart has worked out, AZ Jackson has really taken and owned that number 10 position. So this is an opportunity for me next week against Orlando to look forward to Indiana Vasilev in the midfield alongside Edu Leuven. But then we get some goals, and then the excitement really starts 22 minutes into the game. Tim Parker starts it off just like he did in the first game against Austin. From an Edu Leuven free kick, not a corner this time, but a free kick. And I I really enjoyed how this this play progressed because it was a hard-nosed play earned by a guy who was a key player in the first game against Austin, Jared Stroud. Starting from the back with Roman Berkey, playing it to Jabulu Blom in the middle, progressing past the attacking half to Jared Stroud. Stroud has his pass to AZ Jackson disrupted. But it falls back to him, and then he kind of circles around the field looking for an opening, and then Owen Wolf just sends him down in a really dangerous area. Kind of a dumb tackle by Wolf where he didn't really need to do anything, and they called it as such on the broadcast. And Edu Luvin, you give him an opportunity like this, you give our team um, not their first set piece of the game, but you give them more opportunities to do this, and they're going to make you pay. This was a very uh, easy mark for Tim Parker, you could clearly see that he was being targeted for the second time in the game because he was targeted earlier from a corner kick that, that he couldn't find space. This time he did, he buried it. And, um, we found out post game and I've got some comments from Carnell, just how important this game was for the team to Tim Parker in particular, the continuity from that first game, but also the, everything going on in his life. This was, this was something where Bradley Carnell likes to be romantic about the game an often awful lot. He waxes poetic, and this was this was that to a T. This was poetry for Tim Parker to be able to get this, his fourth goal in the season, uh, four shots this season, and and that's how you wanted it to start for St. Louis.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great to see uh, Parker on the board again. Uh, now doubling um, his career goals, uh, now he has four uh, this year. But the, the first thing I was oh great. City, city is on the board winning the game. But the first thing that came to mind was, ah, oh, another set piece goal. Um, uh, but then the, the floodgates open and goals on the run of play came. So that was good.
0: Yeah. Santi, uh, you and I were both guests of, uh, uh, Gen and Nate's KMOX show, St. Louis, uh, soccer Sunday, I believe uh, right before the game. And this was one of the things that I said to them, uh, that I wanted to see. Well, two things I said, I want to see open play goals, because it's been since July 8th against Toronto since this team has scored a goal in open play. And also, I want to see Nico Joachini. I want to see a lot of him because coming off of the game last week against Atlanta United with the scrimmage last week where they played Mm -hmm. four 30-minute quarters, Joachini, Adeneron, and Ostrock scored goals there. Keep those names in mind because those Mm -hmm. should be very familiar after last night's game against Austin. Well, we kind of got everything that we wished for after this point and it didn't happen really until stoppage time or until the 45th minute, but Nico Joachini sure did start off really strong in this game. He he had a lot of opportunities, and he made it count, ending the drought of open play goals with a 45-minute goal from Edu Leuven on just the perfectly weighted pass. It was Austin possessing in their attacking third. Hebert and Stroud dispossessed Ethan Finley. The ball fell to Edu Leuven, who made a quick turn pivoting to the touchline and immediately saw a streaking Nico Joachini downfield, perfectly weighted ball down the left wing, found Joachini in stride, and he, again, played it through Cascante, who keeps finding his name appear here, moved to the middle of the field, buried it in the bottom right corner. All of a sudden, City was up 2-0 going into half, and the open play drought was over.
1: Yeah, finally a goal in open play and a goal by Nico Joachini, but... Great transition uh, mm-hmm. by City at Uloven with that quick pass and and the way Nico handled it when, when he got it uh, on the one-on-one with Cascante, made a move and found a space to shoot. Uh, that was great to see, and that will give him a lot of confidence uh, going
0: forward. So City went into half, up 2 nothing. Halftime didn't occur yet, though, because there was a sub made right at the end of half, 45 minutes plus five, and this was key and crucial because... It allowed St. Louis to have a sixth sub. What happened is St. Louis and Will Bruin came on for Maxi Rudy as a concussion sub. So Austin was allowed a sixth sub and another window because of this. And that's why St. Louis ended up with having six subs. This concussion sub gave them an extra. Going into half, coming out of half rather, 50 minutes, just five minutes after halftime, Nico Joachini again. This one was uh, a little bit of a different look and a really fun transition goal. So we had that, that transition pass that Leuven was able to create. This one was more of a, a quality, quick St. Louis build where on the Austin side, Gallagher was crossing it into the box deep for Austin. It's played to the right by Akil Watts over to Rasmus Alm. This is where I was mentioning earlier, Rasmus Alm finding himself very deep and defensive-minded for City while Rasmus Alm kind of found the ball He laid it off for AZ Jackson and then just went to work. Rasmus Alm sprinted through the middle of the field, wasted no time from deep right to high mid underneath AZ Jackson. Jackson found Alm over the top into space, into the attacking third very quickly. And then Alm played it high for a streaking Nico Joachini, who on first glance, this seemed like one of those goals where it's like you're playing FIFA and you're just working the (laughs) ball on the wing. You're drawing the defense and then you cross it over for an open guy on the far post. But the, the shot was blocked. First shot by Nico was blocked, and it was the recovery that Nico had that was so incredibly impressive for me. Picking himself back up almost from being out of bounds, finding the ball right in front of Brad Stuver and burying it for his second goal. Unfortunately, Rasmus Alam didn't get an assist on this one because he deserved every, uh, every yeah. bit of that. But Nico Joachini's recovery to earn himself a brace was very impressive.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed by the way he he recovered and got the ball to uh, get another chance. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, strikers will just stay on the ground and just hope that somebody else gets the rebound, but but it was great to see that that he followed the play and and got up and the ball was there and he was able to to finish the play and now uh, Nico with a brace and uh, it felt like maybe he could.
0: Get a hat trick. He he almost did. He kind of he felt like he should have post game. He said that he should have had three. Yeah. But after that 50th minute goal, Austin made some subs in the 57th minute. They brought on Nick Lima, Josie Zardes, and Emiliano Rigoni coming in for Adam Lundquist, Memo Rodriguez, and Ethan Finley, a couple guys who made themselves known earlier in the game. And then just four minutes after this, Austin found themselves on the score sheet with a Sebastian Driussi penalty kick that occurred because of a hard shot from distance by Sebastian Driussi that was initially saved by Roman Berkey, one of his six saves on the night. It was a very impressive save. Knocked the ball out of bounds for a corner kick that Austin eventually took. It was headed away by Nico Jokini at first. Didn't quite clear the penalty box where Danny Pereira was able to kick it in mid. It was blocked initially by Kyle Hebert into the middle. Nobody really controlled it, but it fell to Sebastian Driussi. Driussi was facing away from goal, so he hadn't really... He hadn't really uh, recovered the ball well enough to be dangerous, but Kyle Hebert, who had done the blocking of the, of the ball initially kind of had a wild swing for the ball in the box, caught Sebastian Drew back leg and they called a PK, which was kind of a no brainer call on that. Uh, they, they did not really appreciate the, the tackle attempt by Hebert on the broadcast. And I got to mm. say that uh, of all of the things of the night, that was, I think kind of a, a self-inflicted wound and I can, you're, dog clearly doesn't like that hebert <laughs> mention, i could tell <laughs> but it was it was the one thing of the entire game where i was i was looking back on it thinking yeah that was we shot ourselves in the foot and we could have done better that was just yeah. a, a mistake that thankfully didn't bite us but you know was there was there much more to that play that you really saw or was it kind of it is what it is
1: yeah i think it's one of those plays uh where, when you look at it afterwards you could say oh hebert should, should have not done, done that. Uh, Druzy wasn't facing the goal, but it's a it's a game of seconds. And uh, in the heat of the moment, uh, he thought that was the move the move he had to do. Um, but but yeah, um, I, I'm sure those things uh, will be looked at, and um, maybe in the future the outcome will be the same. But but I think he will learn from that.
0: So it's three one at this point after the PK, 61 minutes. More subs come in 65. St. Louis brings in Sam Adeneron and Indiana Vasilev for Rasmus and Jabulu Blom. That seemed to be at least initially a, a heat related sub or Blom just wasn't playing um, as hard, maybe due to the yellow. And it's nothing uh, as far as his, his uh desirability, anything like that. I think it was just the fact that he's been on the yellow for so long. We know he doesn't handle the heat as well. And so this was just, um, I think a, a tactical move to get Indiana Vasilev in the game, fresh legs you get fresh legs for Sam and Deneron up top, the same exact way. Uh, 68 minutes, just a couple minutes later, Alex ring comes in from Matt hedges, the newly acquired Austin defender from Toronto. And then we see more good news from St. Louis. And it's this goal that oh has a lot God. of people talking and it's an MLS goal of the week candidate. So if you haven't voted yet, go on to uh, go on to X Twitter and vote for Sam and Deneron, MLS goal of the week. It came again from Bercy pa- a Berkey pass long, and it was wide-headed by Edward Leuven up to Sam Adeneron. Adeneron carried the ball into the box on the left, and he just made this work himself. This was a thing of beauty that, in the moment, I could not believe he actually pulled this off. It was a quick move. He played it back to himself, and he flicked it off of the side of his left foot up and past Stuver. Make It was the epitome of making something out of nothing. And on top of all that, this was Sam Adeneron's first open play goal. And I hate to beat the dead horse about open play goals, but this was just such a, such a release an explosion of everything that we had wanted to see from city for so long. So I see all these open play goals, especially from a guy like Sam Adeneron, who this was his fourth goal in say, in a city Jersey and his first open play goal. This was something we needed to see and to see it against this fifth place Austin team at home first game back. In addition to the way the goal was scored, Santi, this was everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I remember during the broadcast uh, when when he when he was in the box and he had two defenders uh, in front of him, I was like, okay, he's looking for a space, uh, and then he found the space. Uh, I I couldn't believe that the way he he shot that and and but um, great job by him uh, just seeing the opening and and knowing what he had to do, how he had to hit that ball. And as you said, yeah, great to see him. Uh, scoring on open play, something we had not seen. And he we have seen the, how dangerous he can be and how he can move and and draw defenders and create a space. But uh, it was great to finally see a goal in open play for him. So things, but a lot of positives last night for, for City.
0: And the one thing I noticed on this goal in particular is the the patience that Sam Denner showed I mean, there were, there were matches in the past and there were moments and opportunities where it seemed like, uh, he would, he would take a little bit of a too quick of a shot where he would just want to get the ball off and try to find the longer shot or not play the ball at his feet, uh, enough to move to progress the ball even a little bit and create space on his own. He was receiving a pass or intercepting a pass and then trying to do too much too soon. This was very much methodical. This was well thought out, his ability to move the ball up and then play a 1v1 like that was very impressive. And that was in 70, that was the 72nd minute. And so at that point, it's 4 1. St. Louis has a little bit of an insurance goal. Some subs come on, and then the goals just start raining down. 80th minute, Austin makes a sub to bring in Johan Valencia for Owen Wolf. 81 minutes, St. Louis brings in the sub that we had been waiting for. Nuke v. Thorson, Celio Pompeu come in for Jared Stroud and Nico Joachini our attack changes, our wings change, where you now have a true wing back with Salio opposite Akil. You have Thorisson who makes an appearance in the attacking end, right alongside Sam Adeneron, which also does, um, we saw Thorisson on the left side, which that wasn't surprising to me. But seeing Sam Adeneron shift over to the right, mm-hmm. that was a little bit surprising, because after hearing so much about how Nukevi can play so many different attacking positions, I was curious where the first place he would go especially because we know that Sam being left-footed and having so much success on the left side seems like a natural fit over there. The versatility by Sam is what this showed me when Nuke B. Thorson was subbed on, in addition to everything that we saw from Thorson in his ability to find space, be creative, the pace that he was able to keep in the heat, all of that. This was an exciting sub in the 81st minute, but unfortunately it was Austin who scored next after that. 87th minute. Will Bruin scored after possession play by Austin. It was played from Danny Pereira to Gallagher again, deep left, a quick cross back into the box where Will Bruin was able to smash it through the defensive group where St. Louis had Tim Parker, Eddie Leuven, Indiana Vasilev, Kyle Hebert, and Celio Pompeo all in the box, but they were all spread out just enough kind of being pulled wide to leave enough space so that Will Bruin could find a, a, a pretty strong shot. This was a good, a good shot by the St. Louis. and, I think we just were we were stretched too thin. In addition to uh, just different responsibilities by guys like Luvin and Vasilev being deep in the box like that.
1: Yeah, and and I think at that point is 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 that point where and, and you saw it on both ends. Um, mm-hmm. Just when everybody's tired and um, very high temperatures and uh, fatigue, tired legs, and and you you could see that in this goal, like a lot of City guys in the box, but nobody. Nobody was able to to block uh, or stop Will Bruin, and, and he scored. Um, he probably felt good scoring in St. Louis, uh, but in the end, um, he was on the losing end.
0: You know, Will Bruin's name has come up more than a few times in roster construction conversations of a player who, for the feel-good story, might, might look nice in a City jersey. Unfortunately, he scored against us in, in this match on Sunday, But like I said, the goals came hot and heavy after that. So 87th minute was the Will Bruin goal. 87th minute, then we make a couple more substitutions. And the other uh, really exciting, notable player that we wanted to see, Joachim Nilsson, makes his St. Louis City SC debut alongside Tomas Ostrak, subbing in for AZ Jackson and Akil Watts. A lot more um, attacking options with Tomas Ostrak. Joachim Nilsson slotted in at center back role, shifting Josh Yarrow even wider to the right and so that gave some opportunity for Nielsen to showcase alongside Parker, and it took Tomas Ostrock no time. 87th minute, he subs in, 88th minute. The play <laughs> immediately after he subbed on, an aerial duel was won by Nukvi Thorsen, earning a foul, and this was a really key moment because Thorsen did a lot of good things on that left side, but his physicality here in earning this earning this foul, earning this free kick, where immediately upon restart, he played it wide left to Celio Pompeu, who worked with Tomas Ostrock back and forth, getting it to Edu Leuven and then playing it again to Ostrak into the left side of the box where he just struck it home top right of the net and suddenly St. Louis is up 5-2 at this point in the 88th minute. What would you make of Ostrak coming in so strong?
1: Well, that that will give him a lot of confidence too. He had not scored in a while and and um, had been struggling to, to find time in the lineup. So hopefully they will, this will give him confidence um, for the rest of the season. He can be he can be another weapon that City can use. And he, he's a player that, um, at least me personally, I was hoping for a lot for him. And I thought he was going to be one of the main difference makers uh, for City. Hasn't been that way, but it doesn't mean that, that he can still recover from that and make a difference in these next 10 games.
0: Yeah. He was a guy we slotted in at the beginning of the season as a likely number 10, especially after the, with the I mean, the salary he's on, let's be honest, a uh, vaunted player from FC Cone and all of the, the, the youth, the age, the experience he's had with city two and coming in from Europe, there's a lot of expectations. And so it's always good to see him in form. And like we said, he was one of the three players along with Sam Adeniran and Nico Joachini who scored against Atlanta United in the scrimmage. So we're seeing some, some consistency in form, and that's ultimately what's going to find you success in these next stretch of games, is consistency from the a, a similar set of guys. But after going up 5-2, stoppage time happens, and the goals do not stop. Austin scores 90-plus-1 one from one of their subs, Emiliano Rigoni, where Austin was possessing it again and got it into Sebastian Driussi, who really made this happen, worked it in, past a few defenders into Rigoni in front of Kyle Hebert on the right side, who... Hebert seemed like he was he was beat, but he was beat to the point where Berkey thought Hebert was doing something different. That was pretty obvious from watching it, because when Hebert missed the the shot and wasn't able to block it, Berkey seemed to be caught off guard and almost frozen in place where the ball beat him near post in the bottom left from him. It almost seemed like he thought Hebert had that that side of the, the field blocked off. And, and it was just one of those things that he got past Berkey and five three. i I don't know that there's much to read off hebert on that it just seems like he he made a move and the shot just happened to miss him
1: yeah yeah and and again at that point um just people are too tired uh but but berkey uh i don't remember if it was this goal or the second goal maybe both but uh he uh he was mad after (laughs) after austin scored um and yeah it's part of uh part of the game obviously he didn't like uh that CD was giving so much space to, to Austin um, yep. those last 10 minutes. Um, but in the end, um, those two goals um, didn't do any harm, and Sam and
0: ended up putting it away. And then to finish the game, 90 plus 5. I'm starting to think, Santi, if there are two hallmarks of a, city, a St. Louis City-Austin FC matchup, it is an Edu Luvin to Tim Parker set-piece goal, and it is a high press turnover that leads into a goal. <laughs> this time from Sam Adeneron. He earned his brace very much so with what I like to think is an insult to injury goal on Brad Stuver, where Stuver's on the right side of his penalty box and kind of inexplicably tries a long throw from his right over to the left side defender over the top of Sam Adeneron. And I, I like to think it was kind of like the heat in the air just said, no, no, sir. We're not doing this. <laughs> Knocked the ball down. Sam found, Sam found the ball in the air with his head, intercepted it, and then just had clear space. And this was another opportunity for Sam Adeneron to keep the patience, not do too much too soon, found an opening, and just had the confidence in himself to put the ball up, left foot, left top corner, 6-3 St. Louis, and that's the final.
1: Yeah, so so now it's not going to be uh, the team. It's not going to be the back pass. Now it's going to be the throwing from the goalie. It's always something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which
0: but, is uh, another good thing, though, that you like to see from St. Louis that we're able to uh, be consistent with our high pressing because Bradley Carnell made comments on that with Nico Joachini after the game about the intentionality of the strikers in their push points and their pressing and being smart about that. And so Sam positioning himself in between those two defenders, he's, you're positioning yourself in a place where you can capitalize when Austin, no matter who it is, makes that kind of mistake. Because if you're not in the right position to capitalize, it doesn't matter if they make a mistake, they're not going to pay for it unless you make them pay for it.
1: Yeah, and uh, I thought City was, was really smart with with the press yesterday. Uh, they chose the moments and then chose uh, the push points. Uh. It was, it was a little bit of a different game, and I think part of it was uh, the heat and the high temperature. But um, I like what I saw yesterday from the team in terms of the press.
0: And we really saw some nice things late in the game. You mentioned the tired legs from Nuke Thorison, Joakim Joachim Nilsson. Bradley Carnell had this to say on both of those players post-game, saying... Nukvi showed in transition he can be a real threat with some running in behind and some clean touches top of the box and leading others into play and trying to search for another goal. So we saw some good things that we liked and I think Joachim just comes in a moment where there's a bit of chaos, there's a bit of panic, there's a bit of defending to do. So just for me it's it's just that he gets on the field and finds comfort, finds confidence and finds safety in what we're doing. And that for those two players, Joachim Nilsson especially having been off for 15 months since his injury uh, w- serving with Sweden in national team duty in the UEFA Nations League last June, this is huge for him. This is a huge milestone to see game minutes, especially the way this game progressed. It was nitty-gritty to the very end, so that was an interesting opportunity for Nilsson, but also seeing Nupi Thorsen showcase himself on the left side. I really enjoyed what I saw from both those players.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great to see um, Nilsson back. Uh, we, we had seen him playing with City, 2 but finally making his return to uh first division after 15 months. And uh, after some uh, worriness about uh, his status because he didn't go to Atlanta and, and he was rested uh, that week leading into a trip to Atlanta, but, but um, it's, 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 it's been a long time for him, a long time to uh, recover from, from surgery and from that injury, but it's great to see him back. And I'm looking forward to, to him, uh, being a nine minute, ninety minute fit and seeing what what the team will do in terms of the lineup and for Torison, on uh, is great to see him um, with the team uh, getting minutes uh, so quickly. We know uh, we know that uh, he was doing preseason with with his team in Belgium and he and he also worked with his previous team uh, and in Iceland before coming to um, Saint Louis. But it's still, it's great to to have a. Uh, someone who could be a difference maker down the road uh, available so soon.
0: Let's pick up on some of the players of the game, the the key players that we saw. And you have to start this game with Nico Joachini. Two goals in 81 minutes played. He had three shots, all three of them on target. He had a 1.03 expected goals. He had five duels won. And for Joachini in particular, uh, having having you know been selected first in the expansion draft last year, Came in, like I said, he didn't start against Austin in the first game. He was behind Klaus in the depth chart. He played himself up to be alongside. He almost forced the 4-4-2 to be used so he can be on the field earlier this season. And now he's really rounded into form. And he started off this last stretch of games in the best way possible. Now having 10 goals on the season, being the first City SC player to reach double-digit goals in our history. A young history, but our history Mm -hmm. nonetheless. He's the 18th player to score 10-plus goals for an expansion side. And with this brace, he becomes the fourth City SC player to record a multi-goal game in MLS play after Joao Klaus, Indiana Vasilev, and Sam Adeneron against the Quakes. Bradley Carnell had some really nice things to say about Nico post-game, saying, any goal scorer or any striker that doesn't get a goal out of the run of play for the last couple of games, obviously they start searching for something. And in training, I could see that he was searching for something, just something positive. So we have been doing a lot of work with Joachini, We've been doing a lot of work with our strikers and we have had ample time to work in transition and sharpen up some of our triggers and pressing and not just, especially in these conditions. When you do, you go, when is the right time to go? You don't go all the time, so you don't get too stressed. And so that both because, you know, as a striker, that's on your mind on and off the ball. And and when you get on the ball, you need to have this clarity of mind, this, this confidence that you can do what you need to do with the ball at your feet. Joe Keeney showed that multiple times in this game. You said it. He probably should have had three goals when all was said and done, but two goals, having a brace starting off like this, 10 goals on the season. He's now tied for sixth in MLS in overall goals scored. Just a great game for Joe Kini.
1: Yeah. Great to see him um, back in the scoring line and um, yeah, this would give him confidence uh, towards the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see, um, what formation changes there will be once uh, Klaus is back ho- hopefully in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, it's great to to know that you have a uh, you have Nico Joachini, you have Sam Adenir and you know uh, Torison can also play a uh, center forward. so so it's great to have so much depth going into uh, the final portion of the season and
0: possibly into playoffs. And while Nico Jokini was the the player of the game, some of those other players you mentioned, Sam Deneron, Tim Parker, Edu Luvin, all with just some marquee matches. Sam Deneron, two goals in just 25 minutes played. He recorded his second brace of the season after that Earthquakes game I mentioned. He's now up to five goals on the season, uh, two now coming in open play from this game, which was phenomenal to see. And then Tim Parker, a goal on one shot, just his his calling card at this point where he just needs one header he'll he'll score anytime you give him a set piece opportunity your stat earlier was one that i love where in 217 games before joining city parker had two goals in 21 games for city he's doubled that and now has four
1: (laughs) that's crazy
0: i i love that uh bradley carnell used this post game as an opportunity to talk about the intangibles about what this game meant uh saying that we want to dedicate this game to tim parker too seriously we wanted to dedicate it to tim i don't know if you're gonna get to speak to tim at all but saying after the game i mean he has some things going on in the next couple of days and i'm sure you know it's very exciting news and i'm sure he'll let you all know about it which he did but yeah this was probably for tim i asked i said to him before the game this is for you and i'm glad he got the goal If if, this is the poetry and the kind of the romanticism about the game that I mentioned earlier, and I love to keep going back to because when you're winning, it's it's one thing to just win and to take it as what you're doing on the field. But these comments, these stories, these narratives really tell that this is a family. This is a, a group that believes in each other. They're here for each other on and off the field. And it's one of the things that you keep hearing about. And it makes you fall in love with this team even more
1: yeah yeah it's great to see you have a a family there and and uh hopefully the guys that just uh integrated to the team uh, will be welcome to that family and and become part of the group um but yeah i love that it's basically you don't see like individual egos or somebody just doing their own thing Uh, this team um all the guys are playing as a unit and they know um It's a a group sport, and uh, there are goals for the team that that they need to get to and that they need to contribute. And it's great to see uh, all this camaraderie that has been created within the team in such a... I guess you can say it's such a short period of time, but when you think back to CD 2, that about 10, 11 guys were part of that group, uh, maybe they started last year, but it's great to see Uh, what Bradley Carnell and and his staff had built uh, so soon.
0: Yeah, and you don't see this very often because juxtaposing it against Austin and what they're going through with the new sporting director, sending out um, Diego Fagundes, the heart and soul of their team. They're going through a lot of transition, and they're a new team as well. And so teams don't often find the cohesiveness that St. Louis has found. So this has to be appreciated while it's occurring. I think none of this should go overlooked. And some of the other players I wanted to highlight before we go are AZ Jackson, who led the team with five tackles and interceptions. Akil Watts led the team with seven clearances and was first along with Leuven in crosses with three. Rasmus Alm was second on the team in progressive carries in passes into the final third. He was one of the guys who had quietly made a big difference. He, he should have had an assist on one of the goals to Joachini like we talked about, but he made that play happen by and large. And in Rasmus Alm doesn't get a lot of the credit that he often deserves to me and then you look at Roman Berkey had six saves on the night. I think the three goals that occurred are the only reason why he isn't on the uh, MLS team of the match day, which just came out by the way, as we're recording this. Anybody from city? Edu Ed Leuven is the last player I want to talk about before we we say who made the team of the match day. <laughs> and, and it's for a reason, but Edu Leuven had no goals, which is one of the things that team of the match day often uses as their metric. They like to say, if you scored a goal, you're probably going to make it. But Leuven Luvin pushed himself into that conversation. He was FopMob's player of the game based on his stats alone. He led everyone with 61 total passes. He had three assists, which are most by a City player in any single game this year. He had five chances created, five key passes, 83 total touches, nine passes into the final third, 12 recoveries, and eight duels won. With his three assists in this game, he now has nine assists to go along with six goals this season tied for fifth in MLS and assists, tying him for the seventh most assists by a player on an expansion team in MLS history. And Santi, the MLS team of the match day this week does have Edu Luvin on it. It does have Nico Joachini on it, both in the starting 11, and it also has Sam Adeneron named to the bench.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sam, obviously, Sam Adeneron, two goals in 25 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. he, has to, he has to be on the bench uh, for that team of the week. But, yeah, it's great to see uh, City back uh, on the team of the match day with multiple players.
0: The only surprise to me is Tim Parker's absence. I thought for sure a oh. defender scoring a goal would have been a lock. Right. My my uh, conspiracy theory at this point is Tim Parker has been showing up on that team of the match day a little too often for uh, MLS's liking, and so they're giving it to guys like uh, Franco Escobar, John Tolkien, If you're a defender not named Tim Parker who's scoring a goal, you probably have a better chance, at least for the next couple of weeks. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that's just my personal conspiracy theory because I I don't think they like to see repeat names if they can help it.
1: Maybe also the fact that uh, CD allowed three goals, regardless of Tim Parker scoring. Because just looking at it, um, it has uh, Rodriguez from San Jose Airways. He didn't score, but uh, the, it also has Danielle. Danielle's body, the goalkeeper. So yep, they, they they kept a clean a clean sheet, so um, that's probably part of it.
0: We'll go with that. That's probably a more uh, appropriate way to to say why, and and probably a likelier way too. <laughs> but one of the other things, so on players, one of the last things I want to leave us with here is a quote that Bradley Carnell had on the roster as a whole going forward, because I, we've, we're going to finish with some some fun facts on City. We're going to finish with going forward. But this I I don't want this to go unsaid. I think it's very illuminating into not just the starting 11 we had, but a lot of the conversations that we've had in this league's cup break. What does our depth chart look like? How are we going to find time for all these players with with a full roster? I mean, I mean full roster. We are we have zero open roster slots right now. How do we find time for all these players on City or City 2? And Bradley Carnell's quote on the roster as a whole going forward is Yeah, I think the thing I'm looking is trying to fit the pieces of the puzzle to be successful against each opponent. So that might be in a certain formation. It might be in certain personnel. But the luxury in having that is now the competition for places. So again, it's up to us now to manage the group and manage the expectations and keep guys sort of modest and grounded and humble. And when we get our number called, that we empty the tank for the team. He goes on to say, we value everybody on our roster. We value everybody. And it's my job to keep those expectations tempered, but also to keep the edginess in the group to keep on pushing us for the next 10 games. Santi, this tells me a lot about the likelihood of seeing a few different looks, a few different formations, depending on who we play, whether it's an LAFC midweek match, whether it's Seattle Sounders on deadline day uh, or decision day, whether it's in any of these remaining Saturday home games that we have. I think the sporting Kansas City games are going to offer an interesting opportunity because we play them twice left to go. So are we going to run the same formation, the same roster out against both those, depending on if we win or lose and who's in form and who earns their opportunities in training? Because with so many people talking Klaus about to return, we just spend an entire show talking about Joachini, Adeneron, and mentioning Nukvi V. Thorsen. Like Those are options that cannot all be on the field at the same time. So how do you find minutes and who rises to the top in these last 10 games?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, we will probably see some of that uh, rotation or changes in formation. Um, August 30th, when when the team has a midweek game against um, FC Dallas, that that week the team mm-hmm. will have uh, three games in eight days, so we'll probably see some of that uh, for for that
0: game. Or and there, there's two more stretches where we have that, so we have two more midweek games. Uh the rest of our I mean we only have four more home games after this. I mean, yeah. We have two Saturdays, two Wednesdays and then um and then we'll finish off with Seattle later in the season. But let's let's start to wrap this up with some fun facts from City after this game before we look ahead to what's next. Uh City SC has trailed just 100 out of 1170 minutes at City Park in MLS play, which is an astounding stat given the volume of games we played and just how how little we've been behind. Our six goals ties Atlanta United for the second most goals in a single game by an expansion team in MLS play. Just a massive performance in a single game. City's four players with five or more goals this year ties the New England Revolution for the most such players on a team in MLS this season. So we have a a lot of uh, different players contributing a lot of different goals. City is 12-0-2 in MLS play when scoring first this season. And that's just been as consistent as it gets. City is 9-3-1 at City Park in MLS play. City recorded their eighth home win, scoring three or more goals, emptying the take on a lot of these. City has 10 wins, scoring three or more goals this season. And City has scored 35 goals across 13 home MLS matches. This really, I mean, all of these speak to the importance of the crowd and the atmosphere at City Park, along with the fact that the players just feel comfortable playing here. Heat or no heat.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that City Park is becoming a, a fortress for for City, and uh, it's becoming a a place where it's difficult to play at. And uh, the fans uh, play a, a big role in that. Um, but yeah, after a, a few um, a few losses earlier in the season, um, the team has has been getting things done at City Park, and that's going to be important. Um, you mentioned that the team has four home games left and uh, if the team wins those four uh, we could be talking about um, home field advantage um, or getting close to that so hopefully the team will continue being so successful at home
0: yeah so as we look ahead for where these two teams go opposite directions austin fc has fallen to seventh in the west with a 9 10 and 5 record nine wins 10 losses five draws 32 points through 23 games St. Louis City SC improves to 14, 8, and 2 while maintaining first in the West and second in the Supporters' Shield standings. Next week, City goes on to play Orlando City Saturday, August 26th at 6.30 p.m. Central time. And one last note that I want to get in here is from our show two weeks ago, Santi. we talked about magic numbers. We talked about what we think City needs to do to reach certain milestones. And if you missed that episode, it was a couple weeks ago during our League's Cup break. It was a fun look. We did our own versions of calculations and predictions based on historical standings in MLS. How many points per game does a team usually need to get at least ninth? Has a team ever fallen below a certain points threshold and not finished at least ninth? Looking at the standings this year to see where teams like FC Dallas, Austin, Houston, and Vancouver are in the standings. And from our numbers last week, this win against Austin, St. Louis City, has reached a threshold where we believe they should be safe to qualify for the playoffs in at least ninth place. Now I do want to, I would very, very clear here. This isn't saying we've clinched a playoff spot, right? Because there's a non-zero chance that everything could fall off the rails, that every other team could be having success and that something could happen. But for all practical purposes in real life scenarios, we believe we've made that point. And so now the conversation shifts to making or being a, in the first round, getting out of the wildcard spot and then, so getting seventh place and then getting home field advantage and then looking at the conference win. Every game is one game at a time, but you can't help but have an eye towards the future on what these one wins at a time will add up to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When it's all said and done, you will look at the table and see who qualified in the nine position and you will see that they have 44 points, 43 points, maybe 45 uh, if the historical trend holds and also uh, how the teams have been performing um, this season. The other thing I want to mention, Matt, before we, we go, uh, you mentioned Austin falls to uh, seven plays and the gap between between Austin and City is now 12 points. If Austin had won that game, uh, it would be only six points. So uh, you're, you're going to you're you're gonna see a lot of these games that uh, are are six point games uh for city uh, during this stretch of 10 games to end the season
0: and that's how city is going to separate themselves quickly in these next 10 games so orlando correct me if i'm wrong santi orlando is our last game against an eastern conference opponent right
1: yeah uh, his last games against the eastern conference opponent and uh even though they are in, in the R conference, it's also an important game. Uh, and we will have a, uh, more details uh, on Orlando and uh, uh, supporters' shield implications and all of that on, on the next podcast. Uh, but uh, even though it is a, a non-conference game, it's still an important game.
0: It is. And we're going to detail all of that on our next show. Our preview of Orlando we'll have later this week, recording at our usual Thursday night. It'll be out on podcasts on Friday, but before we get ahead of ourselves, thanks for joining us, Santi. Thanks for getting together. It's always good to talk about a win. There's no doubt about that. So I'm Matt Baker for Santiago Beltron. Thanks for joining us on Flyover Footy. If you like what you heard, please give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Spotify helps us out a ton. Any comments or feedback you have, we'd love them. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later.
1: ¡Vamos rojos!